0: Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We'll start in verse 30 and read down to verse 44. Right in the middle of Mark chapter 6. Grass with us and the flowers fade with the word of our God. Let's begin in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran their own foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Send them away into the surrounding countryside and villages so that they might buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and he broke the loaves gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. They took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Join me as we pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would provide hope and healing and joy. Pray that you would right now pull the scales off of people's eyes to see Christ, to see who He is. We ask you to help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> There are several podcasts that I like to listen to. I don't listen to many, but just a few. One of them is a podcast named A Short History Of. If you even like history just a little bit, you would love this podcast. The guy that does it uh, tells it in just a captivating way. He has an English accent, so it makes him sound real smart. If you have an English accent, it sounds smart. And it's a great podcast if you like history. I also like the briefing. Albert, uh, Albert Moeller does the briefing of From a Christian worldview, if you want a quick view of news, I sometimes will listen to the morning wire, but for the last few days, I've been listening to something new. The podcast name is Christianity and Liberalism, Christianity and Liberalism. John Stigmerton told me about this podcast, he's not only a worship leader, but a great pastor and teacher and theologian, John is. This podcast, Christianity and Liberalism, is based on a book by the same name written a hundred years ago by a man named J. Gratiam Machen, Christianity and Liberalism. And That book explores in depth who Jesus is according to the Bible and how that, who Jesus is according to the Bible, determines the trajectory of our life. Now, I bring that up because it's the very first thing I thought of when I saw what was going on in Mark chapter 6. This whole chapter is leading up to a question is, who is this man? Jesus. You might remember the disciples had been throughout the towns. they have been teaching and preaching. Had the power of God to cast out demons. Who is the one they're talking about? the word about Jesus had risen so high that verse 17, we find out about about Herod. Herod is afraid that this person, Jesus, is a ghost, the ghost of John the Baptist whose head he cut off. Who is this man? And here Mark gets his information from the apostle Peter, and he pauses in the story to show us a miracle Like no no other, in this passage, Mark clears the air and he shows us that Jesus is not someone to follow, not a teacher to listen to, not a prophet. Jesus is God. The creed used to say, God of very God. And as Mark clears the air with this miracle and lifts Jesus up for us to see, It's important that you grasp the knowledge that there is not a need that Jesus cannot meet. Not one. There's not one person that's walked into this building today with more hurt, more grief, more shame, more sin than Jesus can bear and take away. So what I want to do when we go through this story, I want you to to get the story. It's most important, not that you hear the words I say, but that you hear the Word of God. So as we walk through this story, I want to just go back and point out a couple of things. Why don't you join me there? Verse 30. This story is such a powerful story. It is found in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle story found in all four Gospels. Mark tells it with brevity and precision. He starts in verse 30 by telling us that the disciples came back to report to Jesus. Do you see that? The apostles returned to Jesus, apostles. It's the only time in the book of Mark you find the word apostles. That is an office that Jesus set apart. He gave them authority to cast out demons and teach the Bible. He gave them the, the authority to cast out demons so that people would know that what they're teaching has authority. When the apostles are gone, the authority that men and women might would have had to cast out to perform miracles is gone. Now our authority is the Bible. The apostles, they came back to Jesus and they reported all that they had been doing in verse 30. They told him everything that they had done. They gave an account. Verse 31, here is, Here is the proof text for vacation. If you need a vacation, verse 31, he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place that is wilderness or desert place and rest a while. And Mark tells us why. For there were many coming and going. A lot of activity around Caesarea Philippi. There were many coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They were so busy. A lot of you workaholics either work so hard you forget to eat lunch or you skip lunch or you get some sort of junk food and it's showing up maybe your metabolism is good enough that it doesn't show up on your body yet but you feel it here is a reminder you are not superhuman Jesus says to the disciples you've been doing great work they probably are carrying the grief of John the Baptist being killed and Jesus says you've got to pull away So they get in a boat, verse 32 and 33, go off to a desolate place. Turns out, though, that everybody sees them going there. This is is when your vacation is spoiled. Everybody saw. You see it, verse 32 and verse 33? They went to a desolate place, verse 33. Everybody sees them. Towns, the people in the towns are running around the shore of the Sea of Galilee. They're following them, they're they're sort of projecting where they're going to be. They're moving so quickly. Verse 34 they're waiting on the shore. Ever plan a trip, a getaway, a retreat? Look forward to it all this time, and something happens. I mean, it can really take your soul away. They ever told they're going to get away to a desolate place, and yet it's not desolate. Everybody's waiting on them. Verse 33, verse 34. Look at Jesus. Here's a picture. Jesus is the perfect one, the God-Man, not just God, perfectly human, perfectly human in fellowship with God, perfectly human and never sinned. He kept the law as our substitute. And and I would get out of the boat, and I'm going to resent the people on the shore. Not Jesus, verse 34 says. He had compassion. Thought to himself, they're like like sheep without a shepherd. And he he starts to teach them. What a beautiful picture. What did he teach? Mark says, verse 34, he began to teach them many things. Don't you wish Mark would have just expanded just a little bit? Mark, tell us what he taught. Was it the Sermon on the Mount? Was it parables? What is he teaching here? We don't know, but the sun high in the sky started to go down, verse 35. Verse 35, when it grew late, the disciples, that's the apostles, there's 12 of them, they're trying to take care of business. They're looking out, they're looking out for problems, in verse 35. When it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, look, this is a desolate place. There's not any food here. Why don't we break camp for the night? You've done a great job teaching. Why don't we now send them away so there's still daylight? They can go to towns and villages and find something to eat. Jesus turns it now. Here it turns it. Verse 37. This is the pivotal point. Verse 37. Verse 37. He answered them, You give them something to eat. It's good for us to remember our inadequacies. It's good for us to remember, as Jesus points out, where we are. And they say with sarcasm, verse, they say with sarcasm in verse 39. <clears throat> how many, I'm sorry, in verse 37, you give them something to eat, and they say with sarcasm, we're gonna go and buy 200 denarii, that's uh, eight months' wages. They're being sarcastic. They said, if we had $40,000, we couldn't buy enough, the other gospels tell us, we couldn't buy enough for everybody to have one bite. So Jesus says, what do you have? Verse 39, verse 38, he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. John tells us the little boy had a packed lunch. His mom had put some fish and some loaves. The loaves are going to be a piece of pita bread, five of them. Packed to put his, put his lunch in his little evil Knievel lunchbox and him off. Remember those metal lunchboxes with the thermos inside? we clip it down. Never carried the thermos to school. Needed more room to put some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in there. The kid shows up with his lunch and they take his lunch and bring it to Jesus. This is what we have. Two fish, five loaves. So here's the point. you got nothing. There are 20,000 people here. How is this going to feed them? That's the point that Jesus is making with the disciples. Verse 39, he tells them now, okay, have everybody sit down. Here's good administration. Verse 39, put them in the green grass. Here, now you're you're hearing the shepherd talk. Takes me, green patch. you hear the shepherd talk. Put them in groups, 50s and 100s. It makes it easy to count. That's how we know there are 5,000 men. And then Jesus does the miracle." It's unspectacular the way Mark describes it in verse 41. I mean, he just tells us he just straightforwardly takes the loaves, the five loaves, and the two fish. He looked up to heaven like a good Jewish leading teaching man would, looking up to heaven to remind them, get your eyes up to God. Verse 41. Broke the loaves. Here's the picture of the Eucharist, gave a blessing. And started to pass it out. Had the disciples set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all. We don't know how the miracle happened. Did it happen with Jesus? Did he just keep passing from one basket? Or did the disciples, did it happen at the groups of people? We don't know. But what we do know is, verse 42 and 43, everybody ate everything they wanted. They had plenty to eat. They were satisfied. There was enough. Here's here's God's kindness that shows up now and then. There was enough that 12 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles, that the 12 apostles had 12 baskets. Everybody had lunch the next day. So what do we do with this? What I'd like to do is take, take a step back and look at it in two ways. On the one hand, we need to talk about us. What does this show about us? What does this say about me? What does this say about you? Because every Bible story says something about you. But every Bible story is not about you, it's also about God. What does this story say about Jesus? Let's start with us. Here's the first one, number one. We are people in need. We're in need. You walked in this morning with needs. Need that I can't see, maybe everybody else can't see, they're there. What do we need? Well, verse 30, we need accountability. We need accountability. This is what verse 30 is, when the disciples come back and they tell, look at verse 30. They come and report what they've been doing. They give an account. Now, when you hear the word accountability, sometimes you can have a negative feeling about the word accountability, because oftentimes it feels like I'm going to be in an accountability group, I'm going to be asked hard questions of all the sins I committed last week. That is not accountability. That's just confession. Accountability is giving a testimony, giving an actual account of what God is doing. It is is honest, it is frank, it is, is joyful, To joyfully talk about what God has done. That's what they're doing in verse 30. One of the things that we need to do is just give account. What has God done in your life? We're people in need. We we need accountability. We need something else. Number two, we, we need rest. We just need rest. Isn't it interesting? The guys came back from teaching and preaching, verse 30, and they get back to Caesarea, and and it doesn't slow down. Ever been off on a vacation, and they need a vacation? From your vacation, they came home, and hoping things would slow down a little bit, and it didn't. And so Jesus, in verse 31, he says to them, you need to come away a while, verse 31. You see it? Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest. We need rest. We need rest physically. Some of you have a pace that is such you cannot keep up the pace that you are on. You need rest. Some of you are carrying the weight of the world. I mean, when you carry that much stress for that long, truth of the matter is, we're reminded we are not superhuman. We are not God. We are in need. We need rest. We need to stop. Some of your mind has been racing. Some of you are carrying such grief. And this passage right here is reminding you, you don't have to do that by yourself. You don't have to keep going for your soul. We are people that need accountability. We need rest. Let me show you something else we need. We need perspective, perspective. So Jesus, in verse 31, says, look, guys, we need to go off for a little bit of a retreat to a desolate place, a wilderness place. Now, when you hear the word wilderness, you ought to think about what happened in Exodus because Jesus is going to become the new Moses just as Moses led God's people into the wilderness and there they were fed. Jesus leads the people into the wilderness. There they are fed. Jesus will be a new and greater Moses. But before we get to that, we need perspective. Because in verse 32 and 33, after they've planned the retreat, they've been promised a time away, they get to the shore, and everybody has followed. And it's terrible. Look, my impulse, if you plan a vacation, I need to get away, I'm going to spend a little time, me and Connie are going to be away, it's going to be quiet. And you get there, and, and it is packed, there's a reason I don't invite all of y'all on my vacation. <laughs> if you ever planned a trip or a retreat or time away and then it fell apart, you know the resentment? You know when you when you need time away and you're finally gonna get it and it doesn't happen. That's that's my impulse. That is not. That is not a healthy. I've I've had the hardest time with this one. Because Jesus will show us how it's supposed to be done. He'll get off and have compassion. We'll get to him in a moment. But us, we need perspective. We need to remember, if you preach and teach and believe in a sovereign God, if God is completely in control, if he is working out his purposes in your life through the major events and the minor events, if he's doing all of that, when something happens that is an absolute inconvenience, we have no right to complain. When something happens that is a terrible inconvenience, we need a different perspective. This is our Father's world. He is in complete control. He is working out His own purposes in every event of life. And if He is working out His purposes and something has happened, we cannot complain. We need a different perspective then. That is to see that God is in complete control and working. We need to look back. Now look back at your life. So you look forward Through the windshield is God's sovereignty, we trust. We look back, that is God's providence, that's what he's done. You can look back through some of those inconveniences back there was God working. Not resentment now. We need perspective. You know what else we need? We need a shepherd. That's verse 34, we need a shepherd. Jesus, when he saw the, the crowds, that's us, the crowds, we're the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowd, he had, he had compassion on them, and this is what he thought to himself: They're like sheep; the fences have been broken down. There's nobody there's nobody taking care of them. We need a shepherd. We need guidance. We need care. The gospel says we need rescue. We need protection. What else? We for people, we need to be fed. Now, this is known as the miracle of feeding the 5,000, which probably should be not just 5,000 men, women, and children, there, maybe 20,000 people. But if you'll notice in verse 34, the very first thing that Jesus does is not feed. The very first thing he does in verse 34, he taught. You see that? Taught them many things. We need a diet, a steady diet of God's Word. The written word points us to the living word, which is Christ. Here is a picture of the living word, Jesus teaching the written word, the word of God. We need to be fed. And if you're if you're grazing on a Sunday, and then you're grazing again on another Sunday, and there's seven days you've not eaten anything, spiritually you're dying on the vine. And you're weak. There's a reason you can't resist temptation. There's a reason to keep falling. There's a reason there's been no spiritual growth. There's a reason your, your perspective in life is not changing. is because you're not eating. We need to be fed. Something else, we, we need to trust God. We need to trust God. The, the pace of the narrative picks up now in verse 35 and 36. After teaching, verse 35 and 36, we need to trust God when we are trying to solve problems. Look at the disciples in verse 35 and 36. We're trying to solve That's what they're doing. They say to Jesus, now look, the sun is going down. We need to send everybody away. I'm trying to think ahead so they can find something to eat. That's what, verse 35 and 36. It is a legitimate concern if Jesus is not the Son of God. We need to trust God when we're trying to solve problems. We need to trust God when we realize our inadequacies. Verse 37, do you see what Jesus says to them? Uh, They say, send everybody away to get something to eat. Verse 37, Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. Inadequacies. One of the very first steps of, of being a Christian, one of the very first steps of growing as a Christian is you realizing your inadequacy, your need for God to intervene, your need for grace, your need for strength, your need for healing. We we realize and we trust God. We trust God when, when we give everything we have. In verse 37, 38, 39, and 40, what happens is, What do we have? And they go and look. They have a little boy's lunch. They bring it back. There are two fish, five loaves, and they give those to Jesus. You look at the crowd 20,000 people. This is enough for one little boy to eat. It's a reminder of our inadequacies, and yet we give everything we have. We trust that God can do something with that. We trust God when it seems impossible. Jesus gives the, the command, verse 39 and 40, sit everyone down on the green grass, put them in groups of, five, of, of 50 to 100. We can count them like that. And then we trust, we trust Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. That's the whole point. You have two fish and five loaves. You can't do anything with it. In the hands of Jesus, become something. Danny Aiken would say, a little becomes a lot with Jesus. What a beautiful thing that he feeds 5,000 people and verse 43 says, we can trust him because he has tomorrow covered. There's enough for you to have lunch tomorrow. Verse 43. Now when we look at that from a human perspective, we are reminded that we are People in need. You are a woman in need. You've come in today and you look strong. You are you are a man in need. That's the first thing to see. Let me give you the second thing. We are people in need. Number two, Jesus Christ meets our needs. The Lord Jesus will meet every need that you have, every need that you've walked in with, every private struggle, everything that you're going through, everything that nobody understands, Jesus meets that need. Let's go through the text again. We find them there in verse 30, what we are reminded of in verse 30, the disciples come back and they report to Jesus because Jesus is our aim and our joy. That's where we find our aim and our joy. It's who we tell our request to. It's who we tell our praise to. It's who we ask about. It's who we point to. He is our aim and he is our joy. He meets our needs. Not only that, Jesus is our rest. He is our rest. What did he say? Come to me. I give you rest. You'll notice that the the story as it unfolds, Jesus has said in verse 31, let's go away for for our rest. Verse 32 and 33, everybody is still there. There is no rest there. Why? Because in the boat with the disciples is their rest. He is the true and better Moses that leads his people into the wilderness and tabernacles with them to give them rest. Under the law, the law says a Sabbath day. This is why we don't go to church on a Saturday. We're not Sabbatarians. The Sabbath day under the law was a day when there were so many restrictions. You didn't move. You didn't walk very much. You didn't say much. You didn't cook much food. Jesus Christ came as the God-man. As the man, he kept all the law, including the Sabbath laws. So much so that on Friday he is nailed to a cross and takes the wrath of God for all the sins of every sinner that will ever be saved. Saturday he lies silent in a grave keeping the Sabbath, keeping the law for the very last time. God has received that sacrifice as a payment for the sins of all the world. Sunday he raises his son from the dead freedom. Sunday he breaks through deadness, takes away the constraints of the law to give us freedom. The veil is torn. The doors are open. You may come in and find rest. You see, he is our rest. Jesus Christ meets every need. He's our aim and our joy. He's our rest. Something else about Jesus, verse 34, tells us he is our our shepherd. What a beautiful thing. You know, you're in, verse 34, you're there. The crowd, verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, people of all kinds, all walks of life, men and women, young and old, all kinds of issues, all kinds of motivations, all kinds of things going on. And the text says, when he looked at them, he felt compassion. Put put your name in there. When he looked at you, what does he think of you? Compassion. He looked at them and he had compassion. Do you see how he views you? That as the shepherd, he would, he would be the true and better David. The good shepherd, we are told, John, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There's the gospel. There's the gospel that Jesus Christ is not just an example for us to follow. He is not just a teacher for us to learn from. He is not just a prophet for us to think about. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, is the perfect man that died taking the wrath of God away so that you might have grace and forgiveness and love, peace and rest. It's the gospel. That you stand under condemnation. That's what the law does, condemns. God sees you and condemns you They don't stop there he not only sees and condemns he sees with compassion and that's why he sends Jesus in love to take the condemnation that we deserve that's what Jesus does at the cross he takes condemnation away so that God doesn't condemn us when he looks at us he doesn't see us sinners that deserve condemnation he sees the beautiful righteousness of Jesus that is yours by faith in what Christ has done for you. He's our shepherd. Not only that, he's our provider. Verse 34 tells us that he he taught them. He taught them all kinds of things, Mark says. We find out when you read the Gospels when when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness in Matthew and in Luke, we hear him say that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I mean, I mean, even when he feeds the 5,000, don't get caught there and think, man, what a great miracle. He feeds the 5,000, and then the, the apostle John gives us the rest of the story. Go read it in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, he makes it a story for teaching. This is what he says in John six thirty-five. Jesus says, okay, you saw me do that with the bread. I... And the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Who, whoever believes in me will never thirst. And then in verse 41 in the Bible, when he does the miracle, he lifts it up to heaven like the Eucharist, like the Lord's Supper will do next week. The so picture, bread being lifted up, his eyes are up toward God. And we find out that he is our Redeemer. Our Redeemer. John 6, when... When the miracle is done and the disciples are asking questions, he teaches what it meant. And this is what he said in John 6:48 and following. Jesus said, I, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Here is the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Here is Jesus in my place. Here is Jesus dying that I might live. My Redeemer. Hey, He's our he's our fulfiller he's our fulfiller verses 42 and 43 the people ate we don't know how it was done I mean Mark is so uh, so precise he doesn't give us many details he just tells us that the miracle happened and the picture is that you have the two fish the five loaves please don't see them as like some sort of starter set and Jesus just sort of was peeling them off there's, there's something that's happened here creatively that Jesus is giving fish that never swam bread that was never baked in an oven something has happened here that's very close to the creative act in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 we don't have any description except to say that everybody I think that people probably didn't even know there was a miracle that happened groups of 50 and 100 spread out the 20,000 people some of them couldn't even see Jesus they don't know where this food came from it's just real good and the text says in verse 42, "The people ate and ate and ate until they were completely Thanksgiving day satisfied." And not only that, those disciples went around and picked it up. There are 12 of them, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles. and on this day there are 12 baskets, or lunch boxes, 12 baskets. There's enough, enough left over for the apostles to have lunch the next day. And Mark backs away and says, this Jesus is God. And there is not a need that Jesus cannot meet. we close this morning i'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and just think for a moment just a time of commitment and prayer just before we sing just think with me do you see yourself remember this is partly about you partly about jesus do you see yourself in need what is it what is what is the need is it sin that is separating you from God or is breaking your fellowship or between you and someone else? Do you see that? Do you see yourself in need? Would you come and confess that and receive Christ or receive forgiveness, be made whole? What is the need? Is it pain? You've been abused? You think you're gonna heal? You're hurt? Look, when I say that there is not a need that Jesus won't, meet, there is nothing outside of what I'm talking about that the grace and the healing power of Jesus Christ make you whole? Is there something you fear? What is it? What is the need? Do you see yourself in need? Jesus meets those needs. This morning, will you come and give your life to Christ? Will you come and let us pray for you? some of you here already christians you want to just come forward today and let us pray for you symbolically lay the needs right at the feet of christ we're going to sing another song if god has moved in your heart today in such a way you need christ please come forward and talk to a pastor if you want to come forward and pray this morning when we sing we invite you to symbolically see jesus christ meeting all your needs father thank you for this thank you for the truth of the gospel Thank you for the joy of serving you. Lord, I pray that that you're honored as we worship closing out this day together. I pray you would meet the needs of brothers and sisters here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.